see you, church. So glad you're here. Um, you know, I know that we don't all get the whole week off for Thanksgiving. Are you guys pumped about having the whole week off over here? You don't have the whole week off. VSU. Boo. So you have, well, high school and under have a whole week off pretty much, right? Is that right? I'm just messing this all up. Well, you're going to have some time off. That's the whole point. Just, you know, make lemonade out of lemons. Um, so um, we're so glad you're here. We're in this series. We're wrapping up a series called At the Table this morning. And um, I'm thankful to share uh, the opportunity to share uh, from the Word of God this morning with you. Uh, we've been highlighting the importance of the table um, as a gathering place, right? Um, and it's, it's, it's significance uh, throughout Scripture, as we've seen, you know, God loves to do some amazing transformative things around the table, around the table. It's a, it's a huge theme in Scripture. The, the table is a, is, a, is, a, is a destination place for God to do incredible things. Um, there's something special about the table, and, and of course, uh, so many will be gathering around the table this week and weekend uh, to celebrate Thanksgiving. So hopefully this message is very timely for you and for me. It, it, is, it has been for me um, as I've prepared. Uh, this morning we're going to take, take a look at a particular table, and it's the end-all, be-all of all tables. Like it's like, it's like, the, it's like the table right, in Scripture. And just a little teaser there, uh, you're probably wondering, what, what table is this? Maybe the, maybe the Last Supper, you know, uh, before Jesus was arrested, we, we shall see. Uh, but if you recall in week one of this series, we talked about the power of an invitation and how powerful it was to invite people to the table and the impact that it can have on someone. I, I want to circle back around to that idea of an invitation to the table and what it means for us. And ultimately, an invitation to a table like no other this morning. Um, so before we do that, can we take a moment and pray and ask God to, to help us in our understanding this morning? Because, and, and, you know, I can, I can get up here and talk, and I'm good at talking. Uh, but unless the Holy Spirit takes over, nothing good will happen today. Amen? Right? So um, we want it to be His leading all the way. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the time that we have. Uh, we are grateful for the moment right now that we have. And th these are holy moments. You've ordained them for all of us, every individual in the room. And we, we know that you have a, a word for us. It is not a neutral word. It is a word that is, is meant to move us from one place to another. And so we're asking to, to help us understand what it is in your word that you have us see. Um, my prayer is that you would... You have already met us here, but that we will feel and understand and sit in your presence and be changed by it. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so um, I have right here, I don't want to show that too close, an RSVP to a wedding. Who loves getting RSVP? Raise your hand. Who loves getting RSVP? No one loves them. Oh, a few. You should, yeah, look, we can be honest in here today. Like, um, I'm not real fond of RSVPs. I'll just be honest with you. I mean, they feel pushy to me. You must respond. And now. 
make up your mind whether you're my friend or not. You know, some, some of you love the regrets only. <laughs> One better. Um, that might be more me. Um, my wife loves RSVPs. She saves them all, don't you? You save them all. Yeah, you do. You have a, we, have, we have this, oh, man, am I digging? I might be digging. It's okay. Y'all dig me out at the end of the service, please. Just toss me a rope so I can climb out. But we have this basket in our, in our, our, uh, our that thing called the kitchen. Okay, there it was. And all, the college students know, a lot of high schoolers do too, there's this basket, and it's got all kinds of things in it. It's got bills and statements and things like that. But right in the middle is this, there's this section there for RSVPs. It's great. It's like an RSVP Hall of Fame. And they're there. It's not that I don't love RSVPs. Like, I, you know, it's an honor to, to get an RSVP, to especially weddings of students of mine who are getting married. Uh, it's, it's, I've had the honor, in all seriousness, I've had the great honor of getting RSVPs from all of our, uh, so many of our students over the, over the last uh, 12, 13 years or so, and had the honor of, of officiating some of their ceremonies. So in all honesty, all jokes aside, I, 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 I love responding to those RSVPs. But if I'm honest, there are a few that I, I, if I could verbalize this without getting in trouble, I'd say, can we just regrets only this one right here? Can we just scuttle this one away? Um, or, better yet, can you go and represent the both of us? That's kind of my jam right there on RSVPs. Well, the RSVP is important because here's the truth that I've found. The bigger the event, the more excited we get about the RSVP. Correct? The bigger the event, the more important the event, the more special the, the individuals are to us, the more excited we get about the RSVP. In fact, we get a little a little FOMO if we don't get an RSVP, amen? I think everybody can amen that one. That's like a, ooh, I didn't get an RSVP. Feelings are hurt. We've all been there. Life goes on. It's going to be all right. Um, yeah, I, 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 RSVPs are an interesting thing. Does anybody know what RSVP stands for, by the way? Can anybody tell me? What does RSVP stand for? Hey, it's French. I knew French teacher back there. Yeah. Hey, I took French in high school. They're like, you took French at Irwin County? By the way, I am repping this morning. I, I wore this on purpose. Repping my dogs this morning. Not my dogs, my Indians, actually. That's not politically correct, but I do not care. The Irwin County Indians, where I'm from, where I'm from, powerhouse football team. And you count these, one, two, three, four, five, six straight region titles. They have played for seven straight state championships, won two of them. But two is two more than nothing, right? So um, I wore this because I, I had the distinct honor. I, I'm, I'm the chaplain for Valdosta High School Wildcat football team, Go Cats. And Go Vikings too, you know, and Valiants, Right? Equal opportunity here. But I got a, I got a unique honor to go home this weekend, um, you know, because our, our teams are 
you know, except for Valwood. Valwood's still in, right? Going to win that ring. Good stuff. Lowndes and Valdosta prematurely done their seasons. Lowndes might say they're not prematurely done. They knew they were good. Well, I mean, sorry. I'm just, I'm just saying what others have told me. I don't know. Anyway, my football team is done. So my brother-in-law, who's on staff uh, at Irwin County, and he might, I'm going to tell him to go back and listen to this. He, he invi- I got an invitation to go and do their pregame devotion Friday night. Uh, and it, and I, I served two, two stints there as their chaplain right out of high school and uh, two separate times. But it was, and I haven't been back since to be kind of with the team and around the team and on the sidelines. So, um, and by the way, I'm so spoiled. Like, I don't want to be anywhere but on the sideline at a football game now. If I'm in the stands, it's, it's like, uh, I, no, this is, stinks. This is how the other half live. I'd rather be down on the sideline. But I got to go home and speak to these young men. And, and I'll tell you, uh, my, t- my town, my hometown is really small. One red light in the middle of town. They call it the red light. And when they beat Crosstown rival Fitzgerald, they party at the red light. That's what they do. Literally, it's called party at the red light. And it's not like, you know, party, party, but it's you know, like, hey, like, you know, it's a thing. So we have one red light. And I love going home. I love going home. I don't know that I want to live there, but I love going home. And the older I get, the more home is important. It hits me right here. It's important. I love home. I love going home. I love seeing faces. Um, a couple of my classmates are, are on the staff there, the football staff. And, and it was just, you know, it, it, when you're growing up, you take each other for granted. And you're like, yeah, you know, what's up? And you get older and you get sappy and you start hugging each other real tight when you see each other. And it's like, no time has passed. And so I got those moments. I got to share in those moments this, this weekend. So home is a, is, is a, is a special place. And, and it's always something to anticipate, right? Because part of going home is sitting around the table. Part of going home is spending time around the table at a meal with people that I love and people that I don't love so much, for being honest. I mean, I love them. I love them with the love of Christ. But, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we test each other's nerves and stuff. And you, you're all thinking of that uncle or that cousin right now. Don't lie. You're all thinking about that person that you're like, eh, I've got to see them. Yeah, don't worry, you'll endure it. Um, the lure of home is something special, though. And there's, in, in, in um, Matthew 22, Jesus tells this powerful story to me about the urgency of a response to the quote-unquote RSVP or the, the invitation, right? And I want you to turn there to Matthew 22 with me. Um, as, you, as you turn there, um, this is a parable, and most of you have heard this parable before, but we're going to get into the weeds a little bit, and we'll try our best time-wise to be wise with, with what we do. But we want to hit this parable first because it is a foreshadowing of something greater down the road. So Matthew 22, starting in verse 1, it says, 
Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I prepared my dinner. Hey, there will be food, right? There will be food. That always gets them. Where there is food, people will come, usually, right? My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to the servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. And here, here's the, skip down to verse 14. I love this verse. It says, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Many are invited, but few are chosen. Um, so as we look at this parable, I want to point out a couple things and we're going to move on. Very quickly, Jesus is comparing the kingdom of God to a wedding feast, all right? Um, we know uh, a little bit, we did a parable series this summer where uh, Shannon and myself both, we explained how kind of weddings worked in the ancient world and how it was kind of a week-long thing. And, you know, there was like a pre-wedding and a betrothal and then a, the actual wedding and then the meal and the meal, la- the, the party lasted a, a, a week long and, and, you know, and all that stuff. And we see, you know, we, we're, we're reminded of the miracle at Cana where Jesus turned water into wine, okay? So the party was going on for a whole week. So this is a big deal. It's not just a sit-down meal, 30 minutes, you're up, you're gone. This was a, a, a deal. People had been invited to the table, and he's using metaphoric language to describe the Jews who are the original invitees, right? In the Old Testament, the Jews were God's chosen people and the vehicle in which um, he was going to speak to the world and, 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 and love on the world and, and, and bring, obviously he brought about Messiah, Jesus, through the Jews. But of course we know what the Jews did. They ignored Jesus as the true Messiah. And so this is kind of the parallel. Jesus says, okay, now the kingdom is open. God says the kingdom is now open to everyone, not just the Jews. And so that's, the, that's what we see, the metaphoric language we see here. And so God sent Jesus into the world, and the very people who should have celebrated his coming rejected him. As a result, the kingdom of heaven has been opened up to anyone who will set aside their pride, confess their sins, and by faith accept the righteousness of Christ. So everyone is holding the precious RSVP, all of us. Even people who have no idea that the RSVP has been sent, they, they hold that in their hands. Your friends, your family, all of them hold the precious RSVP to the greatest wedding banquet that will ever be in the history of humanity, in the history of the universe. So the invitation 
to come to God's table is open to everyone. The RSVPs were sent out when Jesus came and died and rose again. Every single one of us have one of these. But as verse 14 points out, so many were invited, but few have actually come. Right? Narrow is the road. We know this. We know that Jesus died for the whole world. I believe that. I don't believe he died for some. He died for all. And yet, the vast majority of humanity will reject, has rejected, is rejecting Christ. Not maybe actively. They may not even know that they are rejecting Christ. But if they have not responded to the, the invitation, then that's what, that's what I did for a long, long time. I grew up in church, church kid, and I found out at 15, 16 years old that going to church and knowing Bible verses was not going to save me. I realized that I had never responded to the invitation to come to God's table, truly, as I am. Then in Revelation 19, I know you're like, oh, Revelation. We're going to go there. Revelation 19, we see an incredible foreshadowing a parallel from the, the parable we just read to the real, legit banquet. The one that will occur. This, is, this one is not metaphoric. This one is not pretend. This is not a story that Jesus told. This banquet will happen. It will happen. As sure as you're sitting there, it will happen. So right here, we have an actual vision, a glimpse into heaven given to the Apostle John by God himself about what awaits anyone who responds to the invitation to come to the Lord's table and surrender to him. The Bible calls this event the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, if, you've never, if you're not familiar with this, it's, it's, it's very complicated, but I'll give you the cliffs of this. Of course, the Lamb is, is Jesus, Right? He's the slain lamb for the sins of the world. That's, that's what he is referred to here. But he is also the groom, the bridegroom. And we, the church, not we, the porch, but we, the Christian church, all throughout history, anyone and everyone who has ever accepted and believed on the name of Jesus as Savior is part of this collective known as the bride. And so just like in ancient times, there's this the festival and a feast and a celebration of the union of the bridegroom and the bride. Here, here we are in Revelation 19. And it's really an amazing scene. This was, this was really, truly a glimpse into heaven. This was not John trying to stir up emotion and, and this is what I think heaven might be like. God gave him a window a keyhole into heaven. How amazing is that, by the way? It doesn't really move us or stir us anymore, but it should, right? How amazing is that? I will say that it says it's a supper, it's a meal, and, you know, there's some debate as to whether it's an actual meal or if it's just, you know, that's mer- metaphorical because, you know, obviously it's a, there's some things in Revelation that are um, sim- symbolism. But I believe with all my heart that this truly will be a meal. Now, the logic would be, like, if, if we eat food here and enjoy food, and God created food for our consumption and enjoyment, why would there not be food in heaven? If this is the, 
if this is the shadow realm and the real life is the one to come, then why would we not enjoy food there? I'm just saying. I'm not saying we're going to be hungry. I'm just saying we may eat because we want to. Amen to that. Some of you may not be familiar with this passage, but it's crucial nonetheless. So we want to read it real quick. Just a few short verses. The marriage supper of the Lamb. This is, uh, this is in the aftermath of Christ's return. And sin has been destroyed. Pain and suffering have been, have been wiped away. And so now, it's party time. Celebration. And I will say this. Um, I don't think we as Christians live quite with the excitement of the expectation of what is to come like we should. I will say that we lack that in our churches. I would say we as the church have not done a great job of, 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 of maybe, not we as this church, but we as the Christian church, have, we don't really talk about it a lot because it's a, it's, a, it's a complex subject, right? Even the book of Revelation itself is complex, and so we don't touch it, but it says right there in the book that anyone who reads this and applies its teaching to your life will be what? Blessed, right? So we run from it a little bit because we don't, you know, we're pre, pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, mid, you know, a-tribulation. We, like we, we differ on the, the chain of events, but we don't, we don't have to differ on one thing. The one thing we can all agree on is at the end of this thing, there's going to be a party, amen? We can disagree on a lot of things, but there's one thing that we all will agree on is at the end of things when things are set right and, and God fulfills the redemption promise at the very end that you and I will be made perfect in his likeness and we're going to party. And even saying we're going to party doesn't do it justice because we have a worldly kind of vision of that. It's better than you could ever imagine. So here we are, a glimpse into heaven. Verse 6 says this. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Many songs have been written with these words in it. Quoted, Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the lambs, a lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. That is, all sin and blemish has been wa- washed away. That's us. We've been cleansed. You know, and we've been cleansed internally, this side of eternity, but we'll be, inside and out, we'll be cleansed forevermore there, right? This is just kind of a taste of what's coming. And this life, I think we ought to, I want to live my life in anticipation of what's coming. We say keep one, one eye on what? Eternity. I want to live my life keeping one eye on eternity because guess what? God, uh, time is not on my side. Time is not on my side. I'm 46 years old. I'm at least halfway to heaven, y'all. At least. Some of you are like, oh, Lord, I'm three-fourths of the way there, two-thirds. Don't do the math. You don't know how much time you've got. The point is, is that time is not on our side. And if we're so, if you and I are so entrenched in what goes on in this life, we might miss the next life. Yes, yes, you're in church. Yes, you, you, I'm 
so to speak, speaking, uh, preaching to the choir. But as Billy Graham once famously said, at least 50% of all regular church members are lost, have never responded to the invitation to come to the table. And yet we think somehow we have because we've done some stuff. Right? Verse 9, it says, And the angel said to me, this is the angel talking to John, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And, and he said to me, These are the true words of God. That's like an exclamation point. Say, like, look, I've told you a lot of things and you've seen a lot of things, but this is the deal. There, there is nothing truer than this. This will happen. You can bank on it. You can mark this down. This thing is going to happen. Wow. Like, to, this is the worship of heaven, by the way. This is the worship of heaven. And it all starts with a feast. It all starts with a banquet feast, very similar to the one Jesus told in the Gospels. But the Apostle John gives us a glimpse into heaven. Here's this amazing scene of all the saints, the bride of Christ, everyone who has accepted Christ from beginning to end, all throughout the ages, all in one place. Billions and billions and billions of people in one voice around the throne. No wonder it sounds like rushing waters and peals of thunder. And you need to, we need to let our mind's eye kind of go there a little bit, right? We need to just try to imagine and know we're bumping up against um, imagination. We're, lim we're limited. But you need to picture this because this is what is in store for you if you have accepted Christ. And it's really important. It's really important. If you've responded to the invitation, if you've responded to the, to the RSVP, you need to understand there are people in your life that have not. And they don't even know they have an RSVP waiting. They don't even know. You're going to spend time around the table this week with people who have no idea that there's a God who loved them. And God came all the way to them and gave them an RSVP, a special invitation. Not because they had earned it, but because he decided he wanted to. Because he loved them. And they have no clue. Now, I would advise you not to barge right in with Revelation 19. Marriage, supper of the Lamb. Lambs and brides and grooms and things. Start slow. Hey, how you doing? But spending time around the table is where these, they're where these things happen, don't, don't they? Um, I, I meet with um, several people throughout the week, my week, and, and, and uh, um, some I am honored to pour into, some are pouring into me. But all of them, all those conversations are life-giving conversations. And all of them go unexpected places. And all of them, all of them circle back around to Jesus. All of them. All of them. Even if we're just talking life and things and kids and events and schedule. So this is, this is the glimpse that we have in heaven. Around the throne worshiping the king of kings, the sound of river rapids. Anybody ever been whitewater rafting? It's loud, isn't it? It is loud. And that's just, it's loud. You can't hear yourself think. And that's nothing compared to the mighty rushing waters of the praise of heaven. 
That's nothing. Or peals of thunder. Imagine that, but infinitely louder. The sound of praise. In heaven, the sound of gratitude from the hearts of people who understand how undeserving they are of the RSVP. And yet, they have responded. And then we see the great banquet table at the end where the feast and the party and the celebration begin. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer. And it speaks to the lack of anticipation that you and I as Christians have for what's coming. It says, It should be noted that there is a vast difference between the doctrine of Christ's coming and the hope of his coming. First, we may hold without feeling a trace of the second. The first, we may hold without feeling a trace of the second. Indeed, there are multitude of Christians today who hold the doctrine that Jesus is going to come back. What I have talked about here is that overwhelming sense of anticipation that lifts the life onto a new plane and fills the heart with rapturous optimism. This is what we today lack. Did he hit that on the head or what? And of course, this was written a long ago, so you have to read between the lines of the, of the style in which he wrote it. But this is what we lack. Amen, church? We lack, not just, the, we have the doctrine down. We, we know Jesus is coming again. But we lack the anticipation to live life on God's terms so that others can respond to the RSVP. This is what we lack. I lack this. I'm not pointing the finger at anybody but me. I lack this. The hope of the coming of Christ. Because with that, it's not that Jesus is going to come back and take me home. He's going to come back and undo all the crud that has been built up over the centuries in this life. Restore heaven and earth. Restore humanity to, to what it ought to have been from the beginning. Wipe every tear from every eye. The flip side of that if, is for your, you and your loved ones. If you reject the RSVP, then it's a, it's a very different picture. Separation from God for eternity. Now, now you know why you might say, well, this is getting a little fire, too fire and brimstone for me, Pastor. I, I'll tell you this. There has to be some urgency on our part for the people that we love. There has to be an urgency to share the, the invitation, to share the RSVP. There must be. If there is not, I'm not really sure we understand it. I'm not real sure we understand it. Are we living lives today that show the urgency of the gospel? That's the question today. Sharing the glorious invitation with those around us. Bottom line, as I want to share this, the table is a place of worship. First, it's a place of worship. Number two, the table is a foreshadowing of heaven itself. Every time we gather around the table, it is, it is uniquely designed to foreshadow heaven. Think about that. Think about the dinner table. Think about that Thanksgiving table that some of you are dreading this week. It is a foreshadowing of heaven. So to prepare our hearts for that. And number three, the table is for everyone. For everyone. 
We said earlier that the bigger the event, the more urgent the response. There is no event bigger than this one right here, folks. There is no more urgent response needed than to the one, to the wedding banquet, the marriage supper of the Lamb that will take place in heaven. The final celebration, the final curtain, so to speak, is for what God's going to do, the redemption plan. And we get to enjoy that forever and ever and ever. We, but this is not a club. So you, we, can, we can leave and go, I'm, so, I'm sure glad I responded to the RSVP. I'm sure glad I got in there, snuck in there. I know I don't deserve it. I've lived, you know, I've lived like hell most of my life, and, but I'm in. I'm in there. But what about that loved one of yours? What that, about that brother or that sister, that aunt, that uncle, that mom or dad? What about them? Have they responded? Yeah, I know it's tough to share the gospel. I know it's tough to witness the people. Start around the table. Start with a meal. Take them out to dinner. We, 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 we've, we've talked about this before. Take them to lunch. Spend time with them. Do life with them. And eventually it'll get around to the meaningfulness of this invitation and, and the, the urgency of it. The invitation comes to, to come to God's tables for everyone. Every single one of us is in possession of an RSVP. But we have to respond. The offer will not be open forever. The offer to respond to the RSVP is not open-ended. When you leave this world, that window's closed. When that loved one of yours leaves, leaves this world, that window's closed. It's the truth of the matter. It's a hard truth. Will you share the invitation this Thanksgiving and moving forward? Friends, we, we've have, we have to be urgent. As you gather around the table this week, let the open invitation to God's table drive and fuel everything you say and do. The invitation demands a response. I want to read this to you from, the band can come on up um, as we get ready for worship. I want to read this from Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. The whole narrative of the Bible starts in a garden, listen, and ends at a table. The whole narrative of Scripture starts in a garden and ends at a table. God's redemptive story culminates with a meal. And a meal that everyone has been invited to. It will be a celebration like no other. The, the apex, the pinnacle of the redemption story is this meal. This celebration. The moment where all sin is finally done away with. All pain, all suffering, all heartache. And the relationship of the bride, the church, and Jesus, the bridegroom, will be made complete. I am looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. How about you? Lord, may we respond to the RSVP with total surrender. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're thankful. 
for your word. We're thankful that you have seen fit in your goodness, in your mercy, to invite us to the table when we deserved anything but that. Our prayer this morning is that we would respond to the gospel, whether we've walked with you for many years or whether we're just not sure if we've ever responded. And the response is a simple one for us today. The response is a, is a, is a call to surrender. It's just that. It's real simple. No fancy words needed. Holy Spirit, you've given us a glimpse of heaven this morning. Every time we gather, in fact, should be a glimpse of heaven. Because in your presence is the very fullness of joy. There's nothing lacking. And we are in your presence now. And I believe when we gather, these are little, little tastes of heaven, or ought to be. God, renew our minds Wipe the slate clean of all the junk and the garbage that the world has thrown at us and culture and and create a doubt in us that your promises are true and that this is something that will take place. And we all get to participate in it if we'll only respond. God, break hearts. Mend them. God, put those names on our, our, our minds that we will see this week, that we're pretty sure they've never responded to the invitation, that we're pretty sure they don't know you personally as their Savior, their hope, their salvation. God, help us to be bold in our witness. Help us to put everything else aside, including our pride, our fear of rejection, Give us words, give us opportunity. And we thank you for what's coming. In your name we pray, amen.